What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for reboots, remakes, sequels, adaptations, anything that's been done and will be done again. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And from the new High Voltage Media, Steve Cravens. How's it going, everybody? And if you tuned in last week, you already know this, but if for some reason you didn't, we are recording this on April 8th, 2020, which means we are in week four of our quarantine and self-isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic, which means that if the audio is not of the highest quality that I'm sure you're used to from our show, it is in fact due to our social isolation efforts as we are all over Skype in our respective parts of the Los Angeles County, uh, because we believe in safety at Hollywood already did it. We also believe in talking about the hit movie Casino Royale because No Time to Die was pushed. So it's time to talk about one of the greatest Bond movies of all time. The closest thing the series has ever had to a reboot coming out in 2006. This was actually the third attempt to adapt the movie. So I think I'm going to correct myself on last week's episode now a little bit when I, I said I believe Dr. No was first, but I think one of the Casino Royale movies had come out before it. The TV episode was in 1954, and the satire was in 1967. Then we did not try to adapt it until 2006, when the movie was being rebooted after Eon Productions gained back the rights in 1999, after Sony traded them the rights to Spider-Man, only for Sony to then buy MGM and therefore Eon Productions, years later, getting the rights back. Originally offered to Pierce Brosnan in 2004, the writers were hoping to bring back the tone of Ian Fleming's novels. They felt that it was getting a little too fantastical in Die Another Day. We were getting a little too big, a little too blockbuster. They wanted to come back down to... Villains that could go toe-to-toe with Bond. The brute that Ian Fleming described. No cue, no gadgets, everything kind of with what he has. And at the same time, bring it into a modern age of storytelling a year after Batman Begins also brought its hero back to a grounded reality. They decided the last few were too heavy on special effects and wanted to go back to practicals, which gave us some just dope shit. So why don't we kick off? What did you guys? What do you guys think? Casino Royale, now a fourteen-year-old movie. Crazy. Is it fourteen? Jesus, that doesn't feel like it's been Crazy. that long. Yeah, it has been. Um, so for me, I there was a period of time for that in the whole two thousands, end of nineties, two thousands that I was a Bond fanatic. Anytime these came out in November, I was there day one. Um. To much chagrin, unfortunately, as the Pierce Brosnan stuff started going further and further along, they started getting worse and worse in quality of what I what I wanted from Bond. It became more of a almost like a G.I. Joe cartoon than it did an actual Bond thing. So when this movie opened in the pre-credits with him getting his double O status by in black and white, I was like, oh, I'm <laughs> We're doing something different here. Like this is in a whole we're in a whole different ball game with whatever the hell they're they're presenting to me. And from start to finish of that movie, I could not pull my eyes off of it. I love the concept of this rugged 
brawler who is very much a blunt instrument and is just now getting into this. Like, this is his first time at bat. This is his first time doing it. Essentially, like they're saying, the Batman begins of Bond. Like, he's starting from ground zero, and we're kind of seeing him work his way up to the level of where we get to the the MQ, all of that type of stuff. Um, I'm not a person who automatically just wants all of the Q stuff wiped out. I do like a little mid-range of that, but I this movie as a start-off point for what we were getting with Daniel Craig was perfection to me. Yeah. Boy, can you ask the question again? I'm going to I'm going to say this with emphasis once you ask that question again. Steve, what do you think of the film Casino Royale, which is now 14 years old? Well, Blake, I'm glad you asked. I absolutely love this movie. I don't, I'm not one of those guys that thinks it's, there's such thing as a perfect movie. I think there's movies that come really, really close to it. And Casino Royale is one of those movies. I think it is almost perfect. Not just a, almost a perfect Bond movie. I think it's just a perfect movie in general. Start to finish... You just have excellence at every single level. Like, it's lightning in a bottle if ever there was one. And it's so rare to get that with a franchise that's been around as long as Bond has. Usually things are... And even with the reboot, things don't click right away. Uh, There's a couple false notes here and there. You know, this actor was miscast. This director wasn't right. This part piece of music... Everything is perfect. And I, I wouldn't change a single thing about this movie. Get rid of anything, add anything... The way it is, it's perfect. So for a Bond fan, a Bond super fan, I think this movie is a dream come true. Well, that really says it all. I 100% agree with you. Yes. Uh, I remember very, very vividly seeing this movie in theaters. Um, It had almost a... Recently on Twitter, the Captain America Mjolnir lifting was going around because that's what we do in quarantine, apparently. Um. (laughs) This movie, though, had that audience reaction several times. The first, of course, when he finally decrees Bond, James Bond, and the music comes up. I think that was really one of the first times in a movie in my adult life, not counting, say, The Phantom Menace in 1999, that an audience cheered so much for a character that we were all swept up in the hype and the excitement of what this movie was from start to finish. And I think when you come off of a string of just not great Pierce Brosnan movies, especially Die Another Day, a movie that I think is fine if you only watch the Madonna part in the very beginning and then stop. (laughs) But to then... It's not good. It's not a very good film. No. No, no, it's not. It's not. You can't win them all. No, you can't. But to then be introduced to this new character in this incredible black and white setting, which we had totally not seen ever in this franchise, and watch him just annihilate somebody, but also have it juxtaposed with this sequence where he's in complete control as like a master spy. We right away see that this is a character who can just pummel and beat you and is just a force to be reckoned with that we had not really seen in a Bond character yet. And at the same time, have the poised demeanor of somebody on top of their game that you got at Brosnan at his best and Connery at always. Um, You got this elegant combination right away that coalesced in a incredibly innovative 
sequence with the gun barrel. They changed how they did that, but gave you the same essence, which I think was also kind of them showing you, we're going to throw it out a little bit, but we're going to keep everything that keeps this character in this franchise what it is. And then you get to that song. That Chris Cornell song is phenomenal. Like that song is great. Rest in peace, Chris Cornell. But that song is phenomenal. Easily my favorite intro of the franchise. (laughs) Not my favorite song, mind you. No. But my favorite intro. Yeah, it just the intro with that song worked really well. Um, You know, my name is is great. Uh, Yeah, there's just so many, and there are layers to this bond too because the his womanizing is explained in that he only goes after married women like he prefers that his women to be attached so that he doesn't have to have any emotional attachment to him and then that ends up being sort of his, his undoing because he does get attached to one woman i mean it's eva green so you can't blame yeah, him but yeah. when he gets attached to one woman that kind of just changes his whole mindset of that and then that ends up shitting in his face <laughs> yep, yep. Now, everything about this movie is wonderful and, and and like you said, I mean, it's it's there is some elements of the same, but it is a totally new, fresh take on the character. And it's interesting that to us it's such a fresh take, and that to the writers and the book fans, it, it's <laughs> almost coming back to what we were. It it's such an interesting system shock of what we were used to as Bond as a character, and what was written down on the page that I don't think a lot of people maybe read, and then coming into this. And especially watching people nitpick this character when it came out. I remember so many people just being like, but he's blonde. Yeah. Th- we there don't a, have a blonde James. There was a very huge anti-Craig sentiment going before this film actually was released. Like people were like, oh, he's not, he's blonde. He's not what they would consider to be attractive or, or pretty enough for whatever Bond was supposed to be. They're like, oh, he's too rugged or too what for Bond. And then they saw the movie and they all shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was that Craig CraigNotBond.com, I think. Yeah. CraigsNotBond.com, something like that. So yeah, no, the the outcry was very, very heavy. And you know, these kind of things have been going on forever. There's the history of the first uh image of Jack Nicholson as the Joker and everyone being like, But he's fat. Yeah. Like, I we, just think you never win until you see the movie. It's easier then though, because the internet was not as strong. I feel like this this movie came out was like sort of around the time where the internet was starting to blow the hell up. And so the re- the response to this was starting to get a little bit like people online, this the, like he said, this was the website that he said was starting to get on like talk shows. That's how big that yeah. it was picking up. Like I was like, this is, this is excessive. And that shows you how big this character was just as a whole and how much it means to so many people. But how much that they had their visual essence of what Bond was and wasn't able to kind of like move away from that until they actually saw it. In yeah. Now, well, and, and like you said, you know, this has been going on forever. I mean, you mentioned Jack Nicholson as uh, the Joker. What about Michael Keaton as Batman? Both of yeah. Yeah, people were freaking out about that. It's like, you can't have Michael Keaton. Yeah, you can't have that. You can't have a comedian yeah. as Bruce Wayne. It's just, it's not going to work. And then, of course, you know, when he doesn't come back for part three, everybody's crying. So, and now that he's not, you know, now that this is, you know, Craig's final one coming up, we're all like, oh, no. So it's just, it's funny how things work. You don't know yeah, what you got. It, God. Yep. <laughs> yeah, everybody will always lament what you were doing. But when it, when it mattered to tell you you were doing a good job, they won't do it. <laughs> right. They don't the give you a you leave, by your head. Yeah. 
you know, people really only react to change. But this was also just such a kind of cool movie to see because as I sort of noted in our Dr. No episode, these time capsules of just movie making and, you know, we mentioned Bond, but this was also like peak born movies and the genre was kind of changing. And suddenly the franchise that started this whole brigade had to catch up to itself and juxtaposing this with a Dr. No or from Russia with love where now you've got the Aston Martins doing barrel rolls over things and we're parkouring I right mean, away on these jump cuts and edits. That sequence after the credits with him and basically a huge, maybe a 15-minute parkour sequence is phenomenal to watch. You're like, oh, well, this is very different than anything that I remember Bond being before, and I like it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it really, you know, it was right in the middle of that, like... This is going to sound stupid. The like this golden age of reboots where it, suddenly the popular thing was make it Batman Begins, make it darker and grittier. grittier. Yeah. So that was the buzzword that everywhere. You suddenly had Star Trek coming out and Total Recall and Terminator was coming back and everything had this Christopher Nolan gloss of paint if you could buy like, you know, if there was high brand paint somewhere and you bought the spray paint version of it. Yeah, it's not as it's not gonna be as good. Um, this movie, though, I think stands among that. And Terrence, I think it's interesting that you bring up the how the womanizing changes because while I don't think only going after married women justifies womanizing or anything, um, <laughs> it la- but it adds a layer to him because it makes him a little bit more complicated. Right, and this is one of the few movies where. Outside of maybe On Her Majesty's Secret Service and GoldenEye, where he has a very real arc from beginning to end. Yeah. Where he really goes through something and changes as a character. And in most of the movies, James Bond is almost a caricature and a portrayal of something. He's, he's an essence that really can't be rocked. It yeah. isn't until the movies where we, we see his wife die and in GoldenEye him get betrayed by his closest ally. And in this movie get betrayed by the woman he loves that we really watch somebody progress. It's also one of the few we mentioned on the Dr. No episode that it felt like they were, they not even felt like they were setting up sequels and movies in a franchise and a universe. But this is one of the few bond movies to just end at the beginning of the next one and start putting in all the pieces it's 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 weird. I'll 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 go on twofold for what you said. Yes, I think the relationship building in this uh, version of Bond is phenomenal because for the first act of it, you still get Bond womanizing and like I'm going to sleep with you to get this information. But then he meets his match. Like his she goes tit for tat on that train sequence, and he's like, oh, I I'm fascinated by this woman. I need to find out more about her. Now I'm in love with this woman, no. and it ends up biting him in the butt. But you're right. I do think this is this is the only Bond film that ends and then the next film picks up right after that. Usually it's like a completely different like we sometimes to the effect that we almost ignore the events that happened in the previous film. This Craig series has actively continued everything, but those two films are like on top of each other, which yes. good or bad cuz that sort of hurts Quantum a little bit, but if you watch them back to back, I think Quantum works a little bit better. Well, it's a shame that they didn't have all the pieces, right? I mean, now we know that the reason it's not mentioned where I always get this, his name wrong, but uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, the villain, La Chief, La Chief, La Chief, La Chief, 
We're, we're told he works for an organization. The only reason we don't use the name Spectre is because it was tied up in rights of who owned Thunderball, which is where it's first mentioned in the original movies because film rights are just a, a mess. <laughs> um, and they always will be a mess. And it's almost to the detriment of the movie that you then get to Spectre and suddenly we're, we're led to believe that Blofeld has been masterminding this whole thing from Casino Royale. It feels very inorganic um, as opposed to a Dr. No, where we were told this is who he works for and this is the shadow organization that's always going to be behind you. It, the aloofness of this mystery didn't get to coalesce the way I think the producers really wanted it to because of those issues. But Casino Royale stands alone and in the Craig ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think Craig has two quality, high quality one, this and Skyfall. But yes, oh. I agree that like it, there was some mismanagement, not probably on their own, but just because they didn't have the rights to some things that I think it became one of those things like, oh, let's do the whole, let's tie everything together. And it just didn't quite fit. Sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, no, I was just agreeing with what you guys were saying. That's all. Well, excellent. So I think that it's kind of interesting to get into why why bring him back in 2006? Do you guys think the time was right? Do you think this was an adaptation, a, a reboot, if you will, that we needed? Because it one of the interesting things about this movie, we were talking about this a little bit last night in my apartment while we were watching it, was the this, you know, the big Bond theory that James Bond is not a person, it's a title. And when you become a double O, you, you also get the name Bond and that's who you are. And that's why these movies have gone from the 60s to now. They're all part of one continuous thing. And the big argument for that was always Q in the old movies. And then it became M going from Golden or uh, Die Another, Die Another yeah. Day to now. Yeah. Um, we then, however, kind of throw that theory out with the going to his childhood home in Skyfall and everything that we talked about with Blofeld and the brothers and that. Do you feel that this kind of as a reboot in that sense, based on how movies were being made and being distributed and sold, was the right way to go? Were we seeing trends in the market that justify this? Or um, I think that this movie was uh, made for its time, and I think... So, outside of Dr. No, Dr. No from Russia with Love, uh, Goldfinger, um, they were they were trailblazers, but you know, the Bond movies for a long time have been kind of reactionary pieces to their time. So what I mean by that is like, for example, take a look at Moonraker. Moonraker was made as a direct result of, um, of Star Wars. Um, and then you have, I mean, you have other examples of that uh, over the years, but Casino Royale was made in direct response to Batman Begins, but also the Bourne movies, like you mentioned earlier. And people were going for harder hitting, darker, uh, uh, more, uh, not necessarily upbeat, uh, more realistic in its tone. And, and I think that all had to do everything with post 9-11 is that, you know, the terrorism wasn't a joke anymore. Terrorism was brought up in this film, which is pretty remarkable uh, oh you're absolutely right yeah you're absolutely right it is brought up yeah so so yeah so i think in that way it was the perfect bond for the perfect times that people you know they didn't want to see terrorists with giant laser satellites you know blowing up glaciers in iceland you know they, they wanted to see him like from the street level uh what are what's a real like see them presented in a realistic light and have them dealt with 
you know, by Bond in a realistic way, as opposed to, you know, going kite surfing on a tsunami, you know, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, every, every Bond is appropriate for that. Like Die Another Day was like, you know, the, like the Fast and the Furious type of crowd, you know, the triple X kind of crowd. And that, and then this is, you know, like you said, Batman Begins, Born. So I think it's the perfect movie for the time that came out. And it also happens to be the perfect movie for the times we're in right now as well. Yeah. How is it that the same, is it for the same reason, Steve, that it's still relevant now? Or do you think our current climate has made the movie relevant again? I want to be honest with you. I don't think much has changed in terms of climate since 2006. So, I mean, I mean, for, I mean, Skyfall pretty much Skyfall is the same thing in terms of tone, in terms of its approach to the material. Um, Quantum of Solace, same thing. I mean, it, I don't think, again, I think that in terms of our political climate, in terms of world politics, in terms of current history, whatever you want to call it, I think nothing's changed that much, or very little has changed. I, yeah, I, I tend to think, like, from the early era of Bond to now, yes, a lot has changed, but I, I tend to agree with Steve. Since, what, 2006 till yeah. now, I don't think the needle has moved that much in what the, uh, the, the political climate truly is. Like, I feel like there's not much that is that evolved or de-evolved it's sort of been the same since yeah it, i mean uh, okay so back then we were worried about al-qaeda switch that out to isis now i mean it's the same problem just different names same, right. it's right it, it, so i don't uh, yeah i think i think that's why casino royale holds up so well is because its approach to the material is still relevant because of the times we're in are still very much the same as as when it came out do you think the uh, entertainment industry has changed around this Bond franchise as kind of things like Kingsman and the MCU have come about and even I think, the new Star Wars movies and these kind of bigger weird set pieces that are trying to set up all these things and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no I, I don't think Casino Royale is that influential in that way I, don't, I really don't and the reason why I say that is because I think the MCU alright l- 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 let me refer okay I think if Casino Royale influenced any one of those movies that you just mentioned, in, in terms of a universe, the first Iron Man is the closest that it's going to be to influence, let's say, something from the MCU. Or like you mentioned, Star Trek in 2009. That tone that it was going for, you know, that, that kind of, even though it's a bit of the fantastic, there's a realism that they were approaching that we're yeah, taking I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, that first Iron Man, the first 40 minutes are in a cave. Like, it's, 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 yes. it takes itself pretty seriously. Yeah pretty yeah yeah and gritty. so yes I, like yeah that's why i would say that i i think the series unfortunately has gotten into this weird it's gotten into this weird nebulous because i think i'm a fan of casino royale like daniel craig for me is my favorite bond part of it is because i've grown up with him connery obviously is my like they're one a and one b for me but craig has been my bond but i think there are a lot of traditionalists who still want the Q thing and want all of this, the, the gadgets and all of that stuff. So now the series has been going from the stuff that Martin Campbell and, uh, and Mark Foster Forster gave us with the, the first two that Craig had done and kind of like blended Mendez in. And it's gotten into this weird world where like, we're trying to merge those two worlds together and some of it works, some of it doesn't. It's tried to get back to being like a little bit Craig being a little bit more with M and Q and all of this stuff and giving a little bit more of a fantastical and then we get to something like Spectre, which starts to try to do the stuff that MCU is, is doing in world building, and it just comes off as ham-fisted. Because I, 
I don't like Spectre. Like Spectre for me is the worst thing that Craig is. Like I know people like to crap on Quantum of Solace. I feel like that's a better made film than what we get with Spectre. Just I think what makes these films work is sometimes the villain. And I think the villain in Spectre is just, I don't like Christoph Waltz at all in that film. Um, so for me, I think the world building in this, they've gotten to like, oh, we need to do what they're doing as opposed to doing their own thing. And that's sort of a disservice to what I think the Craig stuff was doing. But that's such a Bond thing to do, though. I mean, like, like I was talking about earlier, it's like outside of the Connery movies from the, that really established this whole, you know, new genre, the super spy genre, whatever you want to call it. You know, Bond is, the franchise has been very reactionary. What is the current trend in Hollywood right now? Yeah. What are they doing? And you're absolutely right. Spectre is like, oh, so we don't have a blueprint for things we're going to try to do in 10 years. So let's try to make the other movies kind of blend into this one in terms of like, you know, these threads that we're going to pretend existed this entire time. And like, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Well, yeah. and, I, and I think that's something they were sort of trying to do and they just didn't have the rights to say Spectre at the time because it, until you do have that like reveal that I don't think works for the franchise, you're just sort of left being like, well, who, who is this? This shadow company above the sheaf. Why was his death so quick in that movie? And if you start being like, oh, because we were building to, to the big man behind the curtain moment who was going to be Blofeld and Spectre, and we were we were really gonna do it. Because when you think about Spectre and Blofeld in the original Bond movies, he was never really a menace to Bond. They never he was a menace. In, in terms of his puppeteering, but he was never really a character that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. He, and I yeah. think they were going to really try to build out this, like, personal attack on James Bond and have this villain that could stand against him. We built this brute, and the only thing that's going to fight him is a is another brute, but who's also the bane to his Batman, if you mm -hmm. will. We're going to break Bond. And they just didn't really... It, it, there's that new deleted scene that came up when the MCU box set came out where Nick Fury, instead of just being like, there's a universe out there, mentions mutants and Spider-Man. And it's like, well, if they had really kicked off Iron Man 1 and ended with these characters they didn't own, the payoff would have never come. And I feel like that's kind of what Casino Royale did, was they tried to have a setup that they just didn't have the pieces for. And then when the moment came, they had to do a lot of work to be like, no, no, no. But he's been here the whole time, Yeah. you see, which is retrofitting a universe has never worked. It always kind of has to either build organically or build out of it. I do think it's interesting. We've kind of talked about the, the pendulum always swings in our industry. And when this movie came out, it was grounded and real and dark and gritty and We've sort of swung back around to these more fantastical, super violent ideas. Your Kingsmen's, your Deadpool's, your even like where the MCU is now from where they started. We, we snapped a glove, but when we started off in a cave being like, Iron Man could happen. <laughs> um, you look at kind of these other spy movies now that are getting a little bit bigger and more megalomania, megalomaniacal. They yeah. have megalomaniacs as the villain. And I, I'm wondering if the next time we do Bond, if we'll get another blueprint of how to do it right. Because I think when Casino Royale showed up right on the heels of Batman Begins, and it had been in development since 1999. So it's not like Sony and Eon saw Batman Begins and went, we've got it. 
they had been trying to get this horse back in the race when in 99 when they offered it to Brosnan. They wanted it to be more like Ian Fleming's Bond. They wanted it to be more how we got. Like they they were they were working on it. It wouldn't have worked out though. Right. In my like own it, opinion. No, I think if you had tried to the tonal shift, we've never really had the only tonal shift we've had a Bond do is when we took Roger Moore into space. And I think when you try to change the type of movies you're making and keep your lead, you're also going to it's going to be very jarring for your audience to suddenly see Pierce as a, as a brute force instead of the suave, smooth talking man would have been very weird. It was time to reset the same way. I feel like after no time to die, I'm ready for Craig to ride off in the sunset and we get a whole new splash. I also, I also, I I also think that while we all like quality and script first, the studio is looking at it on the box office side. And while they are, comfortable with some of the numbers that Casino Royale and, and, and brought in, they also still want, like, they're looking at the the other side with Paramount, and they're like, you guys got Mission Impossible, and that motherfucker is killing right now, so we kind of need to make this bigger and do what they're doing. And so if it gets to a matter where they're trying to chase dollars, some of this is, when, like, we need to get bigger and get to to that level, that type of thing there. Yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> uh great the other kind of interesting thing about this movie and then i'll kind of i think move a little bit away from it and ask you guys what you want from no time to die uh did you guys know that quentin tarantino expressed interest in this specific bond movie no but yeah he's a big fan of this book he would have only done it if it was in the 60s and with pierce he wanted he wanted it old school yeah yeah and uma thurman was going to be vesper yeah, he, oh, he what a movie been, that would have been. It would have been nuts. Um <laughs> they would have to keep that R rating tag. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been I interesting. Love- I just I don't uh, If it was going to be it, if it was going to be like okay, kind of like how Never Say Never Again was like a one-shot return for Connery. If that was what this was going to be, we're not going to include it in the continuity of everything that's going to come after. This is just one Bond movie we're going to make for you guys who love Brosnan and Tarantino. We're going to give you this alternate glimpse into a, a, what a Bond movie could be under his direction. I'd be totally fine with it. But if that's if that's what the plan was, oh, hey, we're going to have Tarantino direct you know, Casino Royale. And then after that, just kind of Mix do whatever. Mix and match the directors afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't you, – you can't yeah. just take a guy like that that's so identifiable and then – expect somebody to just carry the baton forward after that i i agree it's sort of like how he was talking about doing a star trek as like that has to be a one-off where it's separate from everything yes. else because yeah. i think that if quinn has a specific style and we all we we either love it or hate it i personally love it but once it happens and if someone else is asked to carry that, that baton it either a feels like it's just a quinn knockoff or it feels like it's nothing that he ever built so it has to be something that's completely separate from whatever yeah as long as they were making clear this is just a one-off thing, like it would be totally fine. But you can't have a filmmaker like that do something where he's not going to return for the next movies in the series because that continuity won't be. It, it's like with uh, Hitchcock and Doctor No. Can you imagine if he directed it? Okay, who's going to direct the From Russia with Love? Well, whoever does it now, you have to go off and and follow in the footsteps of arguably the greatest director of all time. Yeah. So yeah. So it, it, I would have loved to have seen that movie, but I'm glad that it, it didn't happen for the sake of you know, maintaining that continuity between directors, even though they're all different, they do have the same tone, I guess you could say. Right. Absolutely. 
Speaking of tone, is there a uh, a tone you want the next ones to have? Both nope. for No Time to Die and Moving On? Uh, yeah, No Time to Die. I want it to be, if it could be like Casino Royale and Skyfall, obviously that'd be great because that, that's the only way to end it. End it the same way you started. Yeah, I feel like they've established Craig in this world where everything does have to be a little bit more gritty and a little bit more realistic. You can't all of a sudden end where, like, cool, we're going to go out where he has an invisible car and he's fighting a squid. Like, you can't change yeah. the game on his last film. You still have to deal with it. Um, what I would like, since especially since they're bringing back uh, the doctor, the female love interest from Spectre, the doctor, now that she's back, I would like, since... The whole thing for Casino Royale was that like he attempted love and it crapped on him. I would love for him to actually fall in love and then just kind of ride into the sunset with actually the person that he, he is now. Like I would like love to actually happen for him. Um, that would be the perfect kind of like end off for his five film arc, if you will. Oh yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And just, just to say something really quick, what on in terms of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. When he is married and he's happy, and then obviously tragedy strikes. Right. If you can get an ending similar to that where tragedy does not strike, that would be, I think, it would be the best way to send off Craig, like you say. And also, you know, it would just, it would be kind of a cathartic release to know that that bond found happiness and resonance. Right. You know, it, it, that, that would be a great way to end it. I'm with you. That would be a wonderful way to end it. I think it's the only way to end it. Yeah, and you don't have to make it sappy or corny or no. sentimental or anything like that. You can well, do it no, in a. It can be done is, in a way. I mean, similarly to say, this is going to be a weird example, but Matt Smith's Doctor Who, he was one of the few doctors that had a story for him, a beginning, middle, and end. Everybody else was kind of episodic. Daniel Craig's Bond is the same way. It's one of the few times where we've really seen progress through this character so this is a very unique opportunity to give the character a proper ending which we've never really done it's always just been that mission is over and i'm here and i'm james and we're gonna do this forever and a lot of times we don't know going in that it's their last film it's something that like somehow negotiations dissolve and they don't come back this one we know this is absolutely his final film so like let's send him off on a way that is deserving yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you say, like the filmmakers obviously know this too. So like you can you can prepare for this moment. You can script this moment. You can think about this for as long as necessary. Whereas, you know, Moore, Connery, Dalton, uh, even um, Brosnan, uh, they, they didn't have that luxury. Right. So you have an opportunity to do something unique for the franchise, unique for the character. So don't screw it up. Absolutely. Is there anything else you guys want to say, or shall we wrap it up? You can wrap it up. It is interesting that uh, we talked about how Bond had ended up being in November, and then this one was going to come out in April. April, And because of life, because of the world, it's like, nope, back to November you go. Yeah, Makes more sense to me. (laughs) It should have always come out in November. Like, for me, like, that's – it's kind of like when we got the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies – uh, where they came out in December. It's like those movies just felt like that time yeah, of the year. Yeah. You know, Bond feels like Thanksgiving. I mean, remember back in the day when TBS used to have those Bond marathons around Thanksgiving? You know, it, it's just there's just something about that time where, you know, Bond feels right. So uh, would I have loved to have seen the movie right now? Absolutely. But you know what? Whatever. We're, we're going to get it eventually, and I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. It'll be the same movie. 
Yeah, it'll be the same movie. So whatever. We just have to wait a little bit longer. That's right. All right, folks. Well, that does it for us today. As always, you can leave us a review on iTunes and every other place where podcasts happen. You can follow myself at, as always, Blake and Terrence at Terrence Tatum and the show at Hollywood ADI on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Hollywood already did it. And on Instagram at Hollywood already did it. Steve, where can the good people find your show? On uh, Twitter, go ahead and look at at High Voltage Media LLC and on YouTube, just High Voltage Media. All right, folks, we will see you next week. And I have absolutely no idea what we'll talk about.